Hey, this is Eastlake BBA, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you. We hope this builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Hi, I'm Jessica. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Jessica. And a couple other things. Um, so we have no newcomer, newcomer, newcomers, right? No. No, okay. Because that will affect a little bit what I say and what I speak on. Um, okay. Um, whatever I share here is just my experience. It does not represent AA or um, BBA as a whole. I really want to be clear about that. And I also think that Everything you like that everything you like that I say is due to uh, the twelve steps, the program, and God. And everything that you don't like that I say is what I have not yet turned over. So it's not the program to me. <laughs> um, okay. Um, um, I've been sober since 1998. Um, but I first came to the program in 1991. Um, and here is the phrase that I wanted to speak on. It's a little piece. When we look back, we realize that the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world no matter what your present circumstances. Um, okay. So, um, I came to AA when I was young. Um, uh, I started in the womb. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, that's not true. But um, I, did, I did come to it honestly. I came from a family with uh, a lot of alcoholism. Um, on both sides, and um, I had one aunt who died of her alcoholism. She was my great aunt, actually, my grandma's sister, and um, there's, there's just a lot of alcoholism on both sides. I think I'm probably, like, Irish, you know? <laughs> and, um, but um, I'm gonna start, because one thing that I've learned from the BBA is it's really revealed the truth to me about a lot of things. But to do that, I had to do the steps. And um, so I'm gonna go back a little bit in time to when I was young, because that's something that the more and more I did the steps, the more I learned. And um, I was, um, I did grow up in an alcoholic family. Um, my, well, my parents were divorced when I was young and my, um, my mom remarried an alcoholic. And so we spent a lot of time actually in, um, in a bar. So I felt very comfortable in a bar. It was called Popeyes. And I remember we gave my dad this, this gift. It was a, like a little jumping Popeye. It went into the, um, the you know, tall beer glasses. And um, so my brothers and I, we were, um, you know, we were like five, seven, and nine. We were pretty young. Um, but the reason I cite that is because when I started drinking and I got to drinking in bars, I felt so at home. And like home is something that I've always, kind of searched for in my life, um, but I really felt at home in a bar. Uh, now I feel at home in, in AA, um, which is nice. But, um, so I had these parents, you know, I, my, I grew up, I was, I was a, actually a pretty responsible little kid because my parents both drank a lot and, and my mom stopped drinking because she thought she was drinking too much. And my, um, stepdad, he, he was still drinking, she tried to control his drinking, you know, put it in the, 
whatever the basement in the in the um, in the garage. And so when my, in my family, when we um, when my mom stopped serving alcohol at parties, um, family members stopped coming because <laughs> that's really the way it was in my family. And um, when, I remember when my, one of my aunts died, um, literally her body had just been put into the, you know, into the ground and like five seconds later, my cousins were talking about how many kegs we had. I mean, so this was definitely the currency in our family. So it was understandable that when there was no alcohol, people didn't show up. Um, it was just so, such a normal thing. I actually, as a kid, seeing what my parents did, I did not want to drink because I thought they were, whatever, I had judgment and I found them irresponsible and I thought I didn't always have like the most regular childhood and I actually left my house when I was kind of early, um, when I was kind of early, no, when I was kind of young and um, I went away to school because I thought if I stayed at home when I'm 13, I'm going to become an alcoholic. So like I already had that insight, you know, that knowing what this is probably what's going to happen. Whoop. Okay. Um, and anyway, so I I went away to uh um to to a to a school. I got a scholarship, and um, and I felt very out of place there because I was with a lot of very very wealthy people. Um, you know, um, Pillsbury, Goodyear, things like this. That's and I, and I felt like I had to kind of hide it because I felt embarrassed that I didn't have the money that they had. <laughs> um, and I felt, yeah, out of, one time I went to one of my friend's houses, oh my God, and her maid's house was literally bigger than my parents' house. So there was like a lot of shame there, you know, and um, feeling uncomfortable. Anyways, when I had my first drink, it was, which I tried not to have, you know, um, and but when I did have it, I succumbed. It was like the most, it was a non-normal reaction. I, at the, you know, now I realize in retrospect, I just, I felt like I could kind of do anything. And I felt like I could, I saw myself like all my fears were gone, like in this one instant of like, you know, drinking. And, and I, when it went down, I remember thinking, oh, I understand my parents. I can actually like understand and almost forgive them because this is like so good. <laughs> and I couldn't wait, you know, for the next time. And um, I was the one who ended up at college drinking with the people who got kicked out of college. And, you know, and I was, I had to be, I, I had to be carried, like my friends would carry me out of bars and I was not very ladylike, peeing in whatever, you know, peeing in my pants, all that kind of stuff. Um, it was really, not very pretty. I was very fortunate as a woman that I did not get into more trouble, but because I would, I mean, I'd be passed out on the quad at school. I'd be like trying, I was on a fifth floor one year. I was like crawling up the stairs so I could make it to my room because I couldn't like walk, you know, it was just, anyways. But the problem was that when I woke up the next morning, I wanted to do it again. And I wanted to be with those people again. And like, I just didn't have this this normal thing about it that like this maybe this isn't such a healthy thing or whatever I just I just wanted more and and I couldn't wait till the next time I could get to it so um, and I also had a couple other addictions that I developed but I'm not going to talk about them because this is AA um, and well one of them was like Alan on codependency stuff but um, anyways so I um, 
I just, I just wanted to drink, and my friends started making comments to me. I, I started to try to not drink around the same people, and they were like, you know, my dad goes to AA, maybe you should try it. Um, you know, things like that. Um, oh my God, you're such an alcoholic. And, and it was really weird for me because, um, you know, I, I really didn't want to be that because that's, was me, to me, was my parents. And I kind of felt like a failure and, um, and it was really, it was really, um, it was challenging, but I got into trouble when I drank. That was the thing. I, I literally, I would end up in a, ended up in a psych ward one time. And I'll remember like the, there was a guy in AA in there and he looked at me, he had this really long hair. I love this about AA. There's like all these different, you know, kinds of people. And he looked at me and he said, Jessica, it's not how much you drink, it's what happens to you when you drink. You know, because I was like, how could I be, an, you know, how could I have an alcohol problem? I mean, I'm, you know, like, I just thought I'm too young and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so I kind of actually came into AA a little bit before my time, and then I had to go out again after two and a half years because I just, I didn't think I could really be an alcoholic, and it was, it was challenging. I was at college, and, you know, drinking was the currency, and anyways, but it's when I, and I, I had to go to, a lot of treatment centers because I, um, um, I, I just I needed a lot of help and um, I really was um, I I was I was pretty sick you know and I, I wouldn't have been known because on the outside I think things look good and that was what I was taught to show that on the outside things are good we always have the perfect family Christmas picture every year um, but things were like there was a lot of problems inside and. Um, Anyway, so I needed, I really needed to learn how to live because I really didn't learn in my, the family that I grew up in. And um, I, um, one of the things that I did do that was probably a positive thing is that I, I put a lot of my energies into like school, you know, and I was kind of, I really loved to learn and all that. So that was a way that I could healthily, I think, escape. Um, but when I was in the recovery homes, they, that's where I um, really got into, started to get into the big book. I really saw that the people who were, um, who had what I wanted, um, were, you know, working, working the steps. And, and um, I met this woman named Nancy, and I don't know, some of you might know her. <laughs> and um, she, um, she took me through the big book. This was in, this was in 98, so I'd already been around for a while, but she took me through, a, it wasn't the BBA per se, but it was another really, really intense big book study. Um, and it, it you know, really started to change my life, and that's where I really learned what was going on and about the many faces of alcoholism beyond just, you know, maybe, you know, the drink um, and how I could be dry or, you know, and, and not drinking, but still be not living the most healthy life. And like I said, I, I had a lot, I had a lot I needed to learn. Um, but so I just want to, most of my 20s for me, my, like the end of my teens and my 20s, a lot of it was spent in recovery homes. And so I said, like, I called myself, I voluntarily incarcerated myself because I was never was told to go there, but I spent a long time um, in those places. And, and I, would go, get out, you know, get drunk, uh, end up going back um, for, for long periods of time, eight months, 12 months, 18 months. You know, I really, um, like I said, I needed, I needed a lot of help. And, um, and I'm so grateful, like, what I've got here um, because um, I really have learned a design for living that works. Mm. Um, and it's not just a design for not drinking, it's a design for living. I've learned 
I'm actually someone if I have a, probably an over ridiculous amount of degrees because I do love school and I have done that everything of importance that I have learned in my life and I mean everything I have learned from the BB the big book the BBA AA people in the program every single thing um, because I learned here how to like you know how to do service how to be helpful to people how to ask you how are you you know I didn't know these things I didn't know how to I really didn't I like I hid when I was a kid I hid out from people because I was scared of what I saw in my house there was violence my dad one time he like literally pushed he broke the door and had a lock on it I put a lock on it because I was scared of him so there was there's a lot of things like I was I was really afraid of afraid of life afraid of people um, and and when I drank I felt like that was I didn't have that it was taken away um, but when I ca came here obviously and I wasn't I was really serious about not drinking and you know staying in recovery I needed to learn a new way to do things because I, had, I didn't learn it from my parents I mean and it's not their fault <laughs> it's really it's not their fault but I, I needed to learn it from like women here and um, and men you know uh, and it's funny because one time I had a friend she said to me so uh, she said why why do you always have sponsors who are like your mom's age and I was like a duh because I didn't really have a mom you know like I mean and 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 um, and then why are you dating guys who all could be your dad well you know I didn't see my biological father my entire childhood um, so there was a lot missing from you know here and and I, I needed to learn so much and and that's the stuff that I, I am just so grateful for that that you know talks about what God will give us for me when I put myself in God's hands like before the program I was in you know a I was in a bar, I was in a scary place with like violence. I knew the higher power told me I needed to get out. I, I went to a, away to a school and, and then I got into these treatment centers where I learned, or, or recovery homes, where I learned how to live. I learned how to be a person and I'm just forever grateful for that. Um, I dropped out of school so many times that I did not graduate college until I was 29. And that was a big thing for me because since that was kind of my um, my go-to, I, I, it was really, really, really hard for me. I felt like, um, I was angry, actually. I was angry at God because I felt like God took that away. Like, I can't even have anything, you know? Why does he take this away, too? Like, and, but he, he didn't. He took it out for a while so that he could put it back in. Because when I went back to school, I had the best, my final year of, co of college was the best year of, of, one of the best years of my life. And it was certainly my best year in college. Because when I was drinking at college, it, w it was a mess, you know, like it was, and, and so when I was back there, I had friends in recovery. Um, it, was, it was such a nice thing to feel a part of. And that, that's what I was looking for in the bars. <laughs> I wanted to feel a part of, you know, and that's why I was the one closing down the bar. <laughs> that's why I was the one getting walked home by the bouncer, um, you know, and and I found it here and those are the gifts here but like so you know the outside things like getting to finish college that was a huge thing for me um, but um, getting you know but getting to learn how to be a person was like an internal thing and that's something I am truly truly grateful for as well because to me it's it's actually more important um, and you know learning being a sponsor here take I've taken I've, I've sponsored at least 
like 50 women from 15 countries in several different languages. And, but that's like, again, to me, that's like outside. The inside stuff is that I've been able to watch people change and get close to people. Like these are really the things that are very important to me. Um, anyway, so, so since I voluntarily incarcerated myself in my 20s, literally when I graduated college, I said, I am out of here, man. And I spent all my 30s overseas in all these different countries, you know, like studying language, culture. I've been to AA in 51 countries. I have been in nine different languages of which I speak, can speak four. Um, and, but this was the coolest thing for me, who was like, when I was a little kid, I was like hiding in my room, you know, like, and, and I, I just, I wanted to live. And that is something that like the program has given me. I've been able to live, I've been able to go after dreams, I've been able to like, you know, connect with people and, and I just, I feel, I had been over, uh, over, uh, overseas before and, and I thought my addiction was so out of control that I said I will never ever, when I came back to the recovery home, I will never go out of the country again. And I really didn't think I would get to go out of the country again, but I did because the higher power gave me that. Now, I think it's really important to say that whatever my dreams are, they're not necessarily your dreams, but the point is that with this program, with the steps, with the big book, we can accomplish and do our dreams. And that is what's really important, I think. Because if, like, I, if it was so boring, I wouldn't have wanted to like, stay here. You know, if there was nothing that I saw that I wanted, yes, there was something I didn't want anymore, but, um, I don't know, I just, I feel like, you know, so when I went to cities, I, I lived in cities where, because obviously they would always have AA, a more, you know, more program, more 12-step more programs, and, um, and rather, I probably personally would have lived in a smaller cities, but they had less meetings, so I went to places with bigger meetings, and, you know, I worked, I did school, I did all these things um, in, in, in different places. Um, and that is one of the, these gifts. It's a, it's a tangible material gift, but it's still a gift because it fulfilled something in my heart. Um, and I don't know if you know Leanne, but she's like wants to run like a marathon in 50 countries. And by the time I'm 50, I wanna, I wanna go to 100 countries. And I'm, I'm close. <laughs> and uh, so, but that's one of the things that I would really like to do, you know? And I love meeting people in recovery in different parts of the world. Um, it just makes me really, really happy. Um, and you know, it's funny because, um, with all the issues I have with my family, I thought for a while, um, I, it is a very traditional family on the outside and people, um, so everyone's pretty much like married and has kids and all this stuff. And I felt like, oh God, I don't belong in this family. And, um, if I was like married and had kids, I, I thought maybe that would happen, you know, and it didn't happen. And it was, it was very heartbreaking for a while because I felt like I was different, but in retrospect, like I'm actually really glad I don't have children because I have been able to do this life that I've wanted to do. And, and so the higher power knew that, you know? And I, I feel that, but I wanna say it was very hard for me to trust in, um, in a higher power. And, and that's because, you know, when I was a little kid, who is the higher power? It's, it was a he, it was a Christian God and it was a he. And, and so it was my dad. So I had a, a violent, uh, a first I had a, a biological dad who I did not see my entire childhood, even though he lived an hour away and he did not pay child support. So I felt like this big God is gonna abandon me because this God on earth is, this God on earth is abandoning me. 
you know, my mom was pretty crazy. She has some like serious mental illness stuff. I felt like I couldn't trust her either. So why am I going to come here and suddenly start trusting in G-O-D that you're telling about? Like, I mean, I had a horrible idea of what this G-O-D was. I felt like the church was totally hypocritical because it stole my, messed up my family. And with my mom, she was very religious, but it wasn't very sincere. I felt, sorry. And um, it wasn't, it wasn't heartfelt. Anyways, I felt. Um, and now I actually respect that that's my mom's solution to her life, and I have mine, and I don't judge it. I've actually sometimes gone to her church, which is unbelievable, like a miracle. Um, but um, anyway, so I, um, um, so it, it was hard, this whole God thing, you know? And I literally wanted to walk out the door when I saw the, the G-O-D word. And that's when I am in a meeting and there are newcomers, this is me, I'll say what's, I do not speak about, I speak about my drinking more than about God because I knew I was like, F you all and the, like, the horse you rode in on because God, what the hell has God done for me with this life that I have? You know, that this is how I felt when I got here. And so I really had to do what, um, you know, keep my mind very, very open and borrow other people's higher powers and use other people as even like proxy higher powers and their ideas because I was angry. And I was told it's okay to be angry at this higher power. I was pissed. I thought I had a pretty sucky life. And, um, and, and, you know, whatever, by some standards, maybe I did. But I, you know, I, we all have our own, you know, crosses to bear and stuff. And I, I, God helped me get out of that life with, you know, getting to go to this school that was away and all that stuff. But, um, so there's always solutions is what I'm saying. But it took me a long, long time here to see evidence. First, I saw it in you guys and in other people to believe that there was a loving God. You know, turn my life and my will over to the care of God, as I understood him. Care, like, you know, I was like, F you. I had, I called it double middles. Double middles. I, I was, like, was like, F you. And there's been a couple, just a couple double middle moments in my recovery, I'll say. But I know that my higher power can handle my anger. And I know that I can say F you, and my higher power will still love me. Um, and, and I say, what I've learned to do is, to, as I've gotten, grown in sobriety and in, I guess, hopefully maturity, I've learned to um, say thank you when things happen, even if they're really painful, because and then it like changes how I, I see things. Because I do know now, I have evidence from my own life that there, no one can convince me that there's not a higher power because I, I feel like I know there's a higher power for myself. <laughs> I know there's a God. I do not feel like, I, I mean, I should not be alive the way I like treated my body. And, and I really, I never, I was shocked when I turned 20, when I turned 30. I was kind of getting used to living by the time I turned 40. and. But, you know, um, I, yeah, I just, I'm, I am so grateful to this program, to the people who've helped me here. Um, I mean, truly, I never would have been able to, to go abroad and stay there if it weren't for the program, if it weren't for the meetings. There's, there's no way. Um, I just wouldn't have been able to. And so I feel like maybe the higher power, my life, is not what I thought it would be when I was younger and this idea I had, but it's a, it's a pretty good life. And, and how I judge that is not by all the countries I've been to, it's by like all the love I have in my life and all the people that um, I can just literally pick up the phone and, and call and cry to. <laughs> I mean, that's 
really, to me, um, what it's all about. Um, and I have had, you know, I, I, coming here young and growing up here, and especially spending so much time in, in recovery homes, like, I don't want to tell you how many years I spent, but it was a long time between the, you know, going and back and going and back. Um, I, um, I actually forgot what I was going to say. Um, um, uh, la, 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 la. Okay. Um, sorry. I, um, yeah, I just feel, I just feel extremely grateful for some of the things that have happened in my life in sobriety. But I do want to say that the, the first five years were very, very, very hard for me. Oh, there's, there's no one new. Very, very, very hard. I had to do so many things because I think my wiring was such that I, I was wired to do the wrong thing, really. Um, and, and sobriety has not been for me like all this perfect like bed of roses. I mean, surprise, surprise, I have really struggled in relationships. Well, is that going to be a surprise based on where I came from? No. And so now, though, I have compassion for myself. You know, I have more understanding. And um, yeah, I had a bad habit of like dating narcissists, but you know what? That's because I grew up with one. And so I, I have more acceptance and understanding of that now. And um, um, yeah, so, so that's just something that, I don't know, I, I just feel extremely um, grateful for this program, for this book, for how much my life has changed, for the people I have met here. I mean, truly, like I couldn't be part of a, a, I never felt like I could be part of because the, our, my family was pretty messed up, you know? And like, so we were just like, everyone was partying or whatever, or going to a bar. And, and here I've had like real life like experiences. And, and I do say for me that um, I was, oh, that's where I was gonna say. I was, I mean, I was young and I was pretty naive when I got here because I was like hiding out with a book all the time, you know, in my room and, and um, or at school or whatever. But, and um, I, um, you know, going out, so I spent a lot of time in the program in the beginning. And then when I started to go out in the real world, it was really challenging because like the world does not operate and run on spiritual principles. And that was like a shock to me because everyone in my life was doing a 12 step program and was, you know, in these recovery homes, we would meditate in the morning, we would do amends and accountability at night, like we would have confrontations, like we, it was all based on, you know, the program principles. And so I've really, I've had some struggles out in the world. Um, and that's why I've kind of personally had to, I had to like kind of cocoon myself with people in the program because that, I, I needed that. Um, and, um, I, I really, um, sorry, I just want to see how I'm doing here. Whoa! Okay, okay, I am done. But um, it was like really nice to be able to share my story with you. I was a little bit nervous or like a lot nervous, but I'm so glad that, uh, thank you for being so receptive <laughs> to me. And, um, and, um, like, thank God for the program, the Big Book, and AA, and all of you. So, thanks. Thank you, <laughs> well, I'm already up here. I'll get us kick-started, and then let's get going. Um, Jessica, that didn't feel like um, extra time. That was like flow and spirit, so thank you. I'm Michael. I'm still an alcoholic and an addict. Um, 
gosh, there were so many things that, that I wanted to like, oh, and then you talk about another section. I'd be like, oh, no, I'm going to talk about that. Um, seeking connection, family, or some kind of like safe place to connect with. I, you talked about that early on, and I know that that was much of what I craved, and I didn't know it. I didn't know it. Um, and then because I'm, I've come from a family that was challenging also, um, I would go out into the world and put myself in unsafe places and then expect people to treat me well and all of that and then blame and, you know, just the vicious cycle. And, and I, too, found drugs and alcohol calmed a lot of those problems down in here. They look like shit out here, but they felt okay on the inside as long as I was drunk. Um, and things continued to get worse and worse and worse. And then something about what you said, the way you said it, I can go to all the schools in the world, I can read all the books I want, and information is not going to save my life here. But this 12-step process, this fellowship, and the way we do the work, I have an experience that changes me, and that's different than information. I can take the information and create an experience that I couldn't have done with school or self-help books or you know, all the other things that I was given um, by well-meaning people. This has been my only real solution was this change of heart that you talked about and, and then that experience and just so many things of what you shared tonight was so, so powerful. So um, thanks for sharing with us tonight and then who's next? Come on up. All right. Um, Ren's alcoholic. I don't think I need a mic, so. Um, I love life and life loves me. Uh, Jessica, thank you for the share. Um, I can relate in so many different areas of that. Um, I too, uh, my father left when I was like a year old, never had a father. Uh, my mother had a lot of different issues, uh, not necessarily with alcohol or drugs, but a lot of uh, mental issues. Uh, but she did the best that she could, and I am, as I get older, I get to understand that now. Uh, um, I'm grateful for she did the best that she could. Um, that's taken a long time, though, to, to realize that now. Uh, I, too, don't have any kids, and um, I always, like, I thought I'd be a dad. You know, I'd be a great dad. But what I realize now is um, I wouldn't have. I, I just wouldn't have because... Um, I've always been uh, an alcoholic, an addict, uh, very selfish person. So, uh, and I would pray on that, like, you know, someday, God, I want to have a child so I can be that father that I didn't have. Mm. I wasn't built that way, though. So I realize now, and I'm grateful that I didn't, uh, because I would have been exactly what my father was, and I didn't want to be that man. And... That's, that's a blessing that I get to, to live today and realize that. It is the experiences that we get to, um, to have uh, gone through that helps me help other people today. You know, the most important thing that I've, that I've come to um, realize is the simple act of listening. Um, has helped me immensely this past year in my sobriety. Uh, I was always that guy that would like to finish your sentence for you. 
You know, I know exactly what you're going to say. Truth of the matter is that I missed out on so much by simply coming to a conclusion, missing out on uh, the message or the lesson that needed to be learned. So for me today, um, the simplicity of listening has given me uh, a compassion to other people. Uh, I'm not quick to judgment like I was before. And in turn though, I, I have formed some amazing relationships with people that I never even would have uh, broke bread with. <laughs> let alone have conversations with. And today, those have helped me become the man that I am. Um, more importantly, just a better human being to other people. As you were saying about the principles of this program, you know, we get to practice these in all our affairs today. I feel safe in these rooms, but it's amazing how I can recognize or, or see the difference of people that don't have the program. The good thing is that we do get to practice this though, outside of these rooms, because a lot of people don't have the message. They don't understand. And we can share that with other people and that's the beauty of this program. Thank you. Thanks, Jessica. That was, that was awesome. I've, I've heard a lot of that from you sharing uh, before. Um, do I need this, really? Pat alcoholic? Ad addict? Um, I could definitely relate. You know, my family, um, you know, they're not alcoholics, as far as I know. Um, but I didn't like them. <laughs> I, I didn't like my family. I, that's the truth. I, I wanted to go outside the family. Um, and, uh, and I, I, you know, met some not so good people, you know, and uh, I mean criminals, you know, we did criminal stuff, mm -hmm. violent stuff. And, um, and, they, and it was more important to me to have those friends and be able to hang out with those people and go and party than to be a part of my family. And, uh, um, and of course, alcohol started very young, 10 years old, and I, I felt like this is it. This is what, <laughs> this is all I need. Um, and then drugs came not too long after that, uh, 12, 13 years old. And, uh, you know, first it was marijuana, then it was, you know, it was, uh, cocaine and meth. Meth was really, really bad for me. Went to rehab when I was 15. Um... And since then, you know, I, I, I made this decision. I remember getting out of rehab. It's like, I don't want to do that again. You know, I really didn't want to go down that path again. So I tried to, like, manage and control my drinking. And uh, I stayed off meth for, I don't know, about a year. <laughs> and then I found that old friend, you know, that, I, that had some or whatever. And then I was off to the races again. And... And then I found my wife, my future wife, and uh, you know she didn't mind if I did other stuff, but meth was no go, you know. <laughs> so I, you know, I tried to like, I tried to have this double life, you know. I want to have my party life separate from my family life, 
you know, I want to, you know, I want to have both. I remember somebody actually said that to me, uh, one of my bosses, I was very young, working in a shop. He goes, you can't have it both ways, you know? And, and that's exactly what he was talking about. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> that hit me when he said that, you know, I really felt that. Um, but I tried, I tried that for, uh, until I was 35. So, uh, and then God struck me sober. Um, but I like that, that line in the book, you know, um, follow the dictates of a higher power. And it's not always easy to do, you know. Um, being kind and loving to all, you know, being honest. Yeah, what are the four absolutes they talk about in um, the Oxford group? Absolute honesty, absolute purity, unselfishness, and love. Yeah, that's, that's hard. That's not, that's not easy to do. And... Um, you know, especially, I did have kids. I was not a good father. I was an alcoholic, drug addict. And then sober, I was still very irresponsible and very selfish. Um, but uh, Al-Anon, you know, and going through this work with BBA with Al-Anon helped a lot with that. I, um, I learned what it really meant to, to love my sons. You know, I thought, what I thought love was is I'm going to, make them do what I think they need to do so they can be successful. I'm going to control them. I'm going to keep them out of trouble <laughs> by telling them what to do and making sure they do it, you know, and that, that doesn't work. That just didn't work. I mean, first of all, what the fuck do I know? Because <laughs> what I did when I was their age was a hell of a lot worse than what they're doing. And um, so, uh, you know, I had to do, I had to do like... I don't know what you call it, just, just hardcore Al-Anon, you know, um, and, and, and honestly believing that it, it was the most loving thing that I could do, you know, they, they call it, <clears throat> they call it, <clears throat> you hear things like tough love or whatever, but it, I, I don't think it's that, I think it's just love, it's just, you know, not enabling, um, not enabling, essentially just not enabling, um, Allowing, allowing them to, um, to live the consequences of their actions, mm -hmm. you know, um, having rules and if they don't follow them, not yelling at them and, and trying to fix it, trying to fix them, just, you know, mean what I say, say what I mean and don't say it mean, right? That's the Al-Anon, is, is that what they say it? Um, but having rules, you know, having house rules, no drugs, no alcohol. Um, so anyway, I didn't mean to go off on the Al-Anon tangent, but, um, but that, was, that was huge. That was a really a turning point in my, in my sobriety because I used to hang out with not so good people when, when I was early in sobriety too. I, I found people who were kind of like me, you know, and uh, irresponsible, dangerous, selfish, illegal stuff, you know, um, so that having that Al-Anon experience and, and, and having, a, you know, rules and, and, and consequences for my sons, that changed the people that I would hang around with, too, because I no longer tolerated that kind of behavior from people, you know. Um, so what a blessing that was, you know, and none of this was easy. 
getting sober, I, I can't take credit for that. I, I feel like that was the easiest thing, honestly. Um, because, you know, I, just, I feel like a broken record telling the story, but it had very little to do with me and much more to do with the power of the 12th step and God. You know, it, that's the way I see it today. It was, it was all God and all step 12. You know, somebody was carrying the message to me Somebody um, approached me, you know, someone with whom the problem had been solved, like it says in the book, approached me and said some things that, that made me honestly, for the first time, believe that I, I need this program desperately. And, uh, that, and that wasn't hard. It really wasn't. I mean, everything in my life was already taken away. You know, I had no job. I had no family. I had no money. I was uh, staying on my parents' couch. These people I hated. <laughs> but they're loving me enough to let me live on their couch for free, you know. So anyway, I have a great relationship with my parents today. I don't hate my family anymore. Um, I, I try to visit them and, 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 uh, and be of service. You know, for a long time, even in sobriety, I was still trying to take from people, including my parents. And I don't do that today. So that's all I have. Thanks. Hi, Dennis Alcoholic. Dennis. Do, I, do I need this thing too? I don't uh, I didn't want to get up here and talk because I don't know where my brain's going to go. My brain's kind of scattered today. Um, people here last week know I haven't found my higher power yet, my definition of a higher power. Um, but I know somewhere along the way, something, somewhere, somebody, something has been looking out for me. Uh, today, it's kind of special for me, I guess. It's my longest length of sobriety since I was like this big. Uh, my last relapse was um, my last relapse was at 77 days, and I'm at 78 today. Fuck yeah! <laughs> you know, so that's been kind of you know weighing on me. The the education thing, a lot of things have been weighing on me. Um, I don't know why I've been thinking about it. You know, and you brought up some memories of my childhood. You know, I'm adopted. Um, the family that my mom was a drug addict when she was getting ready to have me, so she decided to put me up for adoption, thinking I'd have a better shot at life. Um, when she got clean, she got sober. She said she was going to come look for me, but decided not to because she thought I would have a better life where I was. Little did she know that the family she gave me to was just using me for a paycheck. I was literally like Harry Potter, the kid underneath the stairs, where my mom would open the door, put the food at the top of the stairs, I'd eat, whatever. Um, I grew up in New York, in Brooklyn. So, you know, I would just, my parents didn't care what I did because they didn't care about me. So I would just run the streets, ride train stations. So I became, me and Mike slightly talked about this, I became more attached to my friends than my family. And so, um, wasn't good in school, didn't know what I wanted to do, knew I, knew, knew I needed to get the hot in New York and away from my family. So I decided to join the military, but I wasn't passing high school. My recruiter was like, let me see what I can do about that. Went and talked to all my teachers and they decided to pass me because they knew I was going to the military. Joined the military, took off. I don't talk to my biological family. I don't talk to my adoptive family. I just deal with my family, and that's kind of why I'm tight with them. A couple of years ago, my biological mother came looking for me and was like, hey, you know, your brother's having problems with alcohol, with drugs, and PTSD from the military. Can you help him? And I was like, I'll try, I'll try my best. At the time I was an alcoholic, but I drank like a military person. So you could kind of figure out which way that went. Um, 
but I felt more of a tie to him as a, as a fellow military person who has PTSD. So I tried to help him, but I couldn't. Uh, last year, July, he committed suicide with too much drugs, too much alcohol, never woke up when he went to sleep. My biological sister, my mom told me has the equivalent, you told me like two weeks ago, has the equivalent of whatever heroines have for wet brain, whatever that is. She pretty much wakes up, she goes in a garage, she colors, she goes back to sleep. Yesterday she called me, she told me she has cancer, she's gonna pass away, you know, maybe, I don't know, they're still trying to figure shit out. And she was like, she told my, my biological sister and she was like, good, I hope you die. And I was, you know, I tried to explain to her that, you know, you should know if, if anything, that's the drugs talking, that's not her talking. But, you know, right now I'm just, I don't know where to deal with all that shit. You know, I have people I talk to in AA, like, you know, you got your own issues to deal with right now. Just let that shit go. But I'm like, how, you know, I've been good at it for the last 45 years. So, I mean, I guess a few more years, I, I'm kind of, now that I'm thinking about reliving a lot of my past, a lot of my shit. I'm realizing I am not looking forward to that resentment step. <laughs> I thought it would be easy, but you know, you think you know a lot about this program when you come in here and then you realize once you start actually doing it and listening to people, you don't really know much. So yeah, I mean, I've been trying to hustle hard. You know, I'm, I was thinking yesterday, like I gotta do, like I, I tell my kids, like when they play sports, you know, the saying like, talent can't beat hard work. Wait, no, I'm saying it wrong. Hard work doesn't beat talent when, oh my God, I'm all fucked up. I had it a second ago. What's that saying, that sports saying? Hard work beats talent every time. Yeah, hard work beats talent. There it is. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And I realize now that my disease is very, very talented. Mm. He's sitting there. He's devious. He's waiting. He's doing his push-ups. He's waiting for me to, to just slip, you know. So I'm trying to hustle hard right now and, and outwork you know, my addiction, just a lot more shit, just, you know, kind of came pummeling the last, you know, couple of days. So, yeah, today was a, I guess, a kind of bittersweet victory, but I'm going to be here another day. Um, that's you. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you, Jessica, for coming in and sharing. You know, uh, I don't really think I'd ever really read that passage that you shared with us, but um, so let me reread it again if I find it. Page 100, yes. Uh, oh yeah, when we look back, we realize the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what you present circumstances, present circumstances. And when I read that, it reminded me of this quote that I have on one of my favorite hoodies that says, God can do more than you can imagine in your wildest dreams. You know, and uh, that's Ephesians, that comes from Ephesians 3.20. And uh, I share that because I've been reading this book it's interesting, the books that came out right before the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, 1939, the original print, and the books that came right after. Because AA became this big thing. You know, whether you're Christian or you're not, it's an undeniable force, a revival that God's hand was at work 
and lives were changed across the planet, you know? And, uh, and I think that's what's going on with BBA as anyone who's participated in any of these workshops that are just, you know, been lit up, you know, during the pandemic because of Zoom. And so, um, and so we're, we saw that in 39 and we're seeing it again today. And this book that I've been reading is called uh, The Magic of Big Thinking. And so one of the traps that when we first get here with this alcoholic thinking is um, not only have we lost our confidence, we lose our confidence because we've been living this double life, right? And because we're no longer able to be honest with ourselves and honest with others, we stop hiding. And so we're just in this trap, in this vicious uh, circle. But as we start to find that first step, admit that we are powerless and we tap, to this new we tap into this new power, which is coming from God, right? I mean, God's promises, he's laid them out. He says, grab them, grab them. I don't care what room you walk into. If they have the 12 steps lit up, you will see his promises there. They are red and he's saying, test me, trust me, right? And we see that in everyone's eyes as they come in and believe. And Brother Dennis, I am so happy that you're here tonight with us, you know, because um, I hear you, man, and I see you and what you're going through. It's unmanageable for me, but um, know that you're in a room where when I first came in and I was completely broken and hopeless and people said, let us love you until you learn to love yourself. And I believed it and then I felt it and I just kept coming back every, you know, one, one day at a time for more until I started to get connected to that source. And someone shared in the meeting last night, it says, uh, and I believe it too, which is uh, my only job as a, as a sponsor, as a guide, is to help you connect to a higher power, right? So I get connected and then I, I extend out my arms and help you get connected as well because I'm not a reliable source, I'm human. Right, which is what's on your shirt, right? I'm a human being, I'm flawed. But God's inviting us into his, into his adopted family. And one of the, I wrote down, and Jessica mentioned it, one of the ideas that when we come in here is that all we know is of a punishing God, of someone, someone else's idea, someone else's opinion, right? But we come in here and we're finally, for me it was the first time, a loving God. A loving God and we get to experience that right we first, and, and we start to believe it and then our faith grows right and so we have to let go of that old idea that there's a punishing God right that's the devil that's the devil lying to us right the evil one whatever boogeyman whatever words you got but the that what this book is about is a loving God the next idea is um, Right? Powerless, and we're tapping into this new power. And then the thing is, is that when we tap into this new power, he wants to help us. He's, it says on page 72, and man, you can't afford not to go through your step four, bro. Right? None of us can. You know what I mean? As scary as it is, it's known as the freedom step for a reason. Right? And that's what I get to tell you the, of the experience you know, the freedom that I got, David can tell you about his experience, right? Any of us who've gone through this. And so page 72, it says, having made a personal inventory, this is talking about our step four, what shall we do about it? 
We've been trying to get a new attitude and a new relationship with our Creator. That's what God is the Creator. And He's inviting you into His family, adopted family, and He's saying, now let's create together a new future. One that is beyond your wildest dreams. That's why you're here. I hope you're here. Because you are the one He's chosen to help you rewrite your whole family's story. Right? We've all been trapped by something that's bigger than us. It's generational. I know it because I, I, God's given me that ability to see back. Like, man, man, the enemy's had my family for generations. Right? And he started with me. And then finally my mom said, I want what you have. My brother said, I want what you have. And my whole family's now lit up and they're with God. But when, we, when I got here seven years ago, we were all in darkness. You know, on the outside, it looked like success. But we were all spiritually bankrupt. Do you know what I'm saying? And so, thank you for letting me share. And it's an invitation to just link up, connect with a loving God. Thanks. Octavio Alcoholic. Octavio. I always mention this, you know, I'm grateful to be an alcoholic. We're... Before I, I hated, you know, the fact that I had that, um, that defect, you know. And then through this program, you know, I learned to um, love myself, I'm gonna put it that way. And not judge other people and just grateful, you know, grateful to be here. Um, I got 12 years now without drinking, you know, and it's been uh, not easy, you know, there has so much stuff that happened in the family. I, I hear everybody shares, you know, so. <clears throat> the toughest one for me was losing my mother, you know, about seven years ago. And knowing the BBA, being at the right place, I was mad at God, you know, angry. A lot of stuff happened growing up. But I know that those negatives turned, got turned into a positive, you know. And, uh, and I'm grateful now because I'm a tool and I'm able to help other people through my experience. And... I laugh at situations because I create everything. <laughs> I create, you know, struggles or complicate my life, I'm going to put it. <clears throat> I started this project at my dad's house. I live over in Chula Vista. My dad lives over by Skyline, Lomita Village, and got this, anyways, big old piece of property. So we had tractors and moving all kind of stuff around and illegal retaining walls. So anyways, uh, we got caught up by the city because one of the neighbors called doesn't matter who, right? We just know it's the street below. So now I'm gonna meet with an engineer tomorrow and I don't know how much it's gonna to cost to do the plots and the architect and all that stuff. And I dropped $40,000. So this been keeping me up the last two weeks and it's down. So it's anyway, so everything that happens in my life cause I created, you know, I, I create a mess. And um, uh, so yeah, I'll figure this out. You know, that's been taking my peace and <clears throat> I got this uh, beautiful family. I'm grateful. Stuff that I didn't see before. I got a beautiful wife, awesome kids. Like, can't ask for anything better, you know? My, my daughter's 18, graduating high school. She's doing prom. We were, like, chaperoned last time. Uh, picked her up from the hornblower because they did an activity through Olympian High School. And they did this land, I think, this Saturday. Uh, all this cool stuff, you know? And I'm doing this over where before I would have been a mess. I would have messed up that. And we went to downtown, my wife and I, to kill, like, I don't know how many hours by the time they arrived at 11 p.m. from the hornblower cruise. 
it's over, you know? We went to the comedy show. We walked down downtown, a bunch of people drinking. These guys that are doing the construction job, and I'm, I'm lifting heavy, heavy stuff, you know? I'm helping out, and I love it. But they're drinking all the time, you know? Everywhere I go, there's alcohol. My parents are from Mexico. We also have some Irish. Tecate, you know, all my cousins since we were 12, 13, it was just part of the culture you drink, you know? And I'm just, I'm just grateful, man. I don't even see this. Um, I, I actually love my life, you know, which is something weird to say, you know, because I guess I was a victim, you know, victim of a lot of stuff. And, and, um, and now, because of God and, and everyone here in this program that shares your experience, you know, and thank you, Jessica, for what you shared. Um, it definitely relate to a lot of it. And uh, I'm just grateful that I'm going to leave it like that. Gratitude and God handles everything. God wants it this way. And I'm going to follow his lead. Thank right you, Tanya. I am David and I am an alcoholic. And uh, I just want to share a little bit. Uh, Jessica, thank you so very much. Uh, I just grew up, you know, with a violent father. And, uh, you know, I was terrified of, of my dad all my life. You know, he was abusive. Verbally and physically, I always thought somebody was going to kill him or he was going to kill a few people because he got guns and rifles and all this stuff, you know. So I was terrified of God and my father. And I like very much what you said that you, were come, you, were, you came over here to look for evidence of God, you know. So that, you know, that's what I was looking for over here, for some evidence. And not, I, I just didn't find evidence over here. I feel the evidence every single day you know so it's wonderful to have you here and uh, thank you for sharing and uh, that's all i have if you enjoyed today's podcast we'd love for you to subscribe at eastlakebba.com you can also help us reach others by spreading the word about our podcast Thank you for joining us today on the East Lake Big Book Awakening Podcast.